Traveling to Europe for the first time can feel a bit daunting. Special guest Jen Nix from Fork and Leaf Travel is here to talk about what travelers from the U.S. can expect when traveling to Europe, specifically Italy, Greece, and Madeira. Episode 123 starts right now. Welcome to the Family Vacationer with Rob and Danny. Rob and Danny. The go-to podcast for families on the move. Welcome, friends. I'm Rob, and this is episode 123 of The Family Vacationer. So glad that you're with me this week as we take a look at traveling from the U.S. to Europe. Now, last week, we talked to Ryan and Sandra Ellis about the private VIP tours at Walt Disney World and Universal Orlando, and there was lots of great information there. That's definitely worth a splurge on your next Disney or Universal trip. Make sure and check that out. Now this week, I'm happy to welcome Jen Nix, as I mentioned, from Fork and Leaf Travel to the show. We're going to take a look at traveling to Italy, Greece, and Madeira specifically, and travel from the U.S. to Europe as a whole. Jen has a passion for travel, with a work history that includes environmental conservation, eco-expedition, cruising, and sea-level travel. Jen's a certified travel associate through the Travel Institute and holds a membership with Travel Leaders Network and CLIA. She's also a SNG certified accessible travel advocate, connecting those with special needs and physical challenges with resources to travel with confidence, which we are all for here at the Family Vacationer. Jen's lived in many places throughout the U.S. and went to high school in Northern Italy. She now resides in Birmingham, Alabama. Jen, welcome to the show. We're glad to have you. For travelers who've never gone from the U.S. to Europe before, what are some important cultural differences that they should be aware of when they're traveling to Europe from the U.S.? So I think the biggest thing is the slower pace. I think that it's a good reminder to us that we that we need to slow down and experience what we're going for, and that is to experience the culture. And there's so many things that we'd like to become a part of, um, things that we've read about or learned about uh, in the media about these countries or growing up in school. So there's um, a lot of things that are different over there. Um, mm-hmm. Folks tend to take more pride in their country, the way they dress, um, the food, of course. Right. Um, mm-hmm. the region has their own specialty, things that are um, unique to that area. So um, it's also pedestrian, much more pedestrian culture. Right. So lots of walking everywhere you go, mm-hmm. um, which again, contributes to that slower pace. Okay. I know you say pedestrian, but I Rome is my one European destination that I have visited, and I felt like Frogger trying to get across <laughs> the uh, the streets there. I mean, because you know you have traffic lights here in the U.S., and for the most part, people abide by those. I, you know, it was like a race to the other side. So yes, <laughs> all right. Well, so let's focus on. Italy, Greece, Madeira, I know those are the areas that you're most familiar with. Yes, indeed. What are the best times to visit those different countries? So it really depends on what you're looking to do. Um, Should you want to go skiing, not many people know that they're skiing in both Italy and in Greece, which is a unique situation. Um, Yeah. There are um, the best times in terms of weather. Um, If you're looking for water and getting in that beautiful blue Mediterranean water, um, mm-hmm. You want to push further into late spring and early summer. Um, okay. Otherwise, it's going to be a little chilly to get in the water. Um, <laughs> right. You're looking to experience um, the lakes, say, of 
of Northern Italy. Um, that's okay. something you need to worry about is, um, you know, it's going to be more moderate. Um, a lot of folks want to get into the islands, say Santorini or the Mykonos. And um, mm-hmm. the reality is, is that you don't want to push too far into the fall because they actually close down for the season. So typically, oh, wow. in, say May and October, um, you're okay. But then the ferries start, stop running. So um, okay. you don't want to show up and not have anywhere to, to go or eat. Right. Yeah. Well, let's talk about these three beautiful countries specifically. Italy, I know you went to high school in Italy, you mentioned. I did. Um, let's talk, like I said, I've, I've just been to Rome, and, and as I mentioned to you offline, we had three days, and that's, I mean, that's just getting you wanting to come back. That, that's all that does. Yeah, but let's talk easy. about the different areas in Italy that people might want to visit. So, as you mentioned, I was uh, a military kid, and we were about an hour west of Venice, when I was in high school. So it is near and dear to my heart. And so I do encourage folks if they have the time in their itinerary to include Venice, Um, not only just the city, but also the surrounding islands. They really are just a magical place. Mm -hmm. No automobiles, no buses. You are again walking. Um, Your modes of transportation are boats and they're called Vaporettos, which are like their version of taxis. So um, you can get a Vaporetto pass and hop on and off boats to get around, which is oh, wow. really unique. Um, now, are those expensive? What, what, no, what's the ballpark of? You can buy a pass, uh, either a daily pass and hop on and off or a weekly pass. Um, and you can also pick them up um, very James Bond-like, the, the wooden boats. <laughs> and um, it's a little more expensive, but it is a unique experience. There's even the airport transfers that are by boat which is really oh wow i didn't realize there was no cars in that in venice that's that's interesting okay yeah. Yeah. so it's been- and then rome we mentioned rome that's the beauty of rome there's so much there, there so I, much in three there. days we hit the highlights you know we did the Colosseum, the basilica what are some what are some parts of of rome that people might miss if they're just hitting the highlights if they're just hitting the highlights, um, you know, yeah. a lot of folks want to see the the Trevi Fountain, the Spanish Steps, right. um, the Colosseum, and the Roman Forum are are very uh, popular destinations. And right. If you can get out of the city, there's some beautiful mountainous areas. Uh, I just had sent some clients to a cooking school that was out in the country, <sighs> and it was just a nice, that must be amazing. Yeah, it's just a nice little day trip. Um, it's more burdened. It's, it's um, just a really beautiful area. Um, you're not far from getting down to Pompeii, um, very close to Naples. So you can do some day trips and and not be in the hustle and bustle of a more metropolitan city. Gotcha. All right, well, let's talk about Greece. Let's talk about the different areas of Greece that people might be interested in. Okay, well, um, most folks, they wanna come into Athens, which is um, you know a wonderful place to learn about the culture um, the food there is also amazing. A lot of bakeries and um, beautiful sweets that you can find. Um, one of the things that we really enjoyed is the open markets, um, okay. for antiques and for the food markets. We actually got engaged on Idra, which is a neat little island um, out of the Piraeus port. And it's another one much like Venice where there are no vehicles. So it is mm. um, donkeys 
and and boats. <laughs> so interesting. Um, okay. Other things um, to get out of Greece, you can go to Delphi, which is considered the center of the universe. Um, it's mm. a beautiful drive out into the country and the small towns you can stop in along the way that um, get you away from the the crowds of of Athens. But there are some historical markers that you just must see while you're there. Okay. And then finally, uh, I, I was not aware that this place existed until I went over some of the things that we went over offline, Madeira. So talk about this beautiful place. So I was fortunate enough to go to a conference here this past November, and it is just a wonderful island, uh, a couple hours flight from mainland Portugal. So it's a series of islands, but the, the largest island is where we were in the city of Funchal. And... It is. It has everything. It really does. It's it's temperate year round. It never really varies more than fifteen degrees from low to high throughout the year. It's wow. um, has mountainous areas. Go sailing. Um, one of the excursions that we took part in was cliff diving, which was quite an adventure. Oh um, my gosh! How how far up were you? We were up. Let's see. I think the largest one was 10 meters, so about 30 feet high. And um, you actually climb up the cliffs and, and jump off into this beautiful water. Um, yeah. Now, it was a little cold because it was November, so we were in wetsuits. But they provide all of that for you and helmets. Okay. Case. Um, but you can do, you know, Madeira is famous for Madeira wine. And so right. there are Jeep tours that you can go out into the country and experience these wineries, do tastings. Um, they're known for their espatada, which is very much like a kebab. And so they'll do an experience where you attend one of these um, dining events where they grill the meat for you and um, enjoy the wine with it. It's quite lovely. Wow. Okay, so when you were cliff diving, I'm just going back <laughs> to that for a second. Did you jump off the first time right when you got up there or did it take you a while to get acclimated and then so oh absolutely um so it was the height <laughs> you hike down to the water's edge and the first of the series of eight jumps it's very short and so <sighs> there's a group of us so three or four people have gone before me but the hesitation didn't come at the first one okay but the fourth one i almost <laughs> chickened out i gotta be honest it was more that you're climbing this rock face and yeah. there's no platform to stand on. They just say, hey, you're going to jump from this point. And so um, I got a little nervous, but it was yeah. a great group of other agents with me. And we um, they were my cheerleaders. And I, I just I did it. I just jumped. I admire you. I, <laughs> you know, gravity's got a little bigger hold on me than it does you. So um, I'm. I'm a little scared about, I don't like heights at all. So I admire you for doing that. That's awesome. Well, there's one other thing uh, that I think is, it, yeah. I know is unique to Madeira. And that is you take the cable car up to the, the top and then you, it's um a basket that you sit in and it's big enough for two and it has wooden sliders. And there are two men that are pushing you down the streets of Madeira from the top of the hill all the way down. And it's a really oh, wow. fun experience. Yeah. It's a little hard to describe, but it is it is such a fun thing to experience because at the time that was the way you got down the hill. Yeah. 
All right. Well, you mentioned a little bit of food, but I want to know what are your favorite foods from each of these countries? Yes, I'm putting you on the spot. Okay. Um, well, we'll start with Madeira since we we were just talking about yeah. escatada, and that would the beef and the seafood. Um, I'm a huge um, lover of both of those things, um, and you can get similarly to um, the the famous Bistecca Fiorentina, which is uh, Florence has this beautiful steak that you order by the kilogram. It's another tip. Be careful when you order. Because it's by the kilogram. <laughs> okay. You can end up with half a cow if you're not. Oh. So um, the espatada and then by far the the fish because you are on an island. These yeah. these wonderful fish that you don't get. Um, as far as unique seafood, Venice. I'm going to say again has the lagoons and there are shellfish um, and crustaceans that come from the lagoon that are unique. Um, my favorite is one called a, um, it's escaping me now, but it is a mantis shrimp and okay. it is very large. Um, yeah. and it is just divine, but that is one of the things. And, and also, um, talking about Rome, they're very famous for the risotto and mm. the squid ink risotto, squid ink pastas. Those are, um, Squid ink. Squid ink, yes, an acquired taste, but it makes you oh this fully dark purple black color. Okay, now does that affect the flavor at all? It does. Or... It's a very umami flavor, so it's a very rich, earthy, but also mm. um, seafood flavor. Interesting. Quite okay, unique. the man, the mantis shrimp is one of my favorite seafood dishes. The mantis shrimp, it, does it? Is the taste similar to to shrimp that we would have, or it does? Is there any kind of different texture? It is. Or? It's just it's flatter and okay and wider. So it's the whole okay. shrimp is yes type of meat oh. shrimp. What about Greece? What's what's some good food in Greece? Um, the pastries. You know, everything okay. has this beautiful um, bronzing and the crunch on the outside. They're they're especially mm. glazed with honey. Um, a lot of Pistachios are used in the cooking. Um, okay. They do have some, for those that um, partake in alcohol, they have some of this made from a pine sap, which is unique just to Greece. Yeah. Um, I do love just the classic Greek salad that is very different than what we have here in the U.S. There is no lettuce. There are no oh. lettuce leaves at all. Um, it is simply onions, tomato, bell pepper and okay. olives and then a huge slab of feta on top and then a drizzle huh. of olive oil. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, and one of the unique dishes that um, had in the islands of Greece was seaweed. They do a lot of seaweed that they literally harvest off the rocks and serve. Just, just serve, just serve seaweed and lots of different um, small fish, like similar to anchovies. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the seaweed, they just, I mean, it, any kind of olive oil on it or is it? It is, it's very, they... very lightly. They just want to highlight the the natural flavors. Okay. Well, to each their own. Um, <laughs> let's talk, let's talk lodging. Yeah. Uh, when I visited Italy mm -hmm. and this was a minute ago, well, this was several minutes ago, but I was really confused and trying to book lodging in Rome. 
And yes. what I ended up doing was booking a Holiday Inn by the airport, which is not close to downtown, where you where all the you know the iconic like the Coliseum, the Basilica, all of that. So, how do you know what to look for when you're booking lodging in these cities? Well, I'll start out with when I look for clients, it is what they want to see, what they want to be in close proximity to. And then I look at the neighborhood and see the safe neighborhoods that are in close proximity to those places because it is a very walking culture. Um, Something to note that can often confuse folks is the the terminology for the rooms are very different. So you'll see the options are twin and double and family. And for a twin, that means two twin beds. Typically the rooms are much smaller than what we see here in the US. And so a double would just be a, a double bed, one double bed. Okay. Um, yeah. Sometimes you'll get a queen. Kings are less less easy to find. Um, right. And then family rooms are typically multiple twin beds or a double and a couple of twin beds. Um, I'll never forget my brother is 6364. Oh, yes. The beds are not as long. No. In your in Rome at least. As is my as, husband. As is, yeah, he was he's also that tall and it it's been interesting. Um It was mid calf. Yeah. Where his yeah, I mean right. it, it was not even close, you know, so Right. That was also the first time I was introduced to a bidet. I had no idea what oh, that was yes. about. So Yes. And they get a little was, towel. The bathroom. Right. So there's the a small bathroom towel was in the bigger. Bathroom. <laughs> well, the bathroom was bigger than the actual you know, place where we were, the, where the beds were mm-hmm. huge bathroom, little bitty place for the bed. Right. It was really interesting. And sometimes yeah. the shower will just be a spigot from the wall and there's no curtain and just a drain in the floor. So you've got, you know, everything in one place. Something I want to wow. mention that is also unique is the elevators may throw you off because the numbering doesn't start until the second floor. So when you enter a building, you're on the ground floor. I remember that. Yes. And then the first floor is actually what we would consider the second floor. So that's a little different um, to get used to. Yeah. And, you know, it's it was different for me because I'm used to going, you know, brand names. Hilton, Marriott. It's not like that. Yeah. It may, maybe that's changed because it, it's, it's been 30 years since I've been. Yeah. So maybe it's changed. But back then there was just the terminology of... of you know, what kind of, like what you mentioned, not just the, the bedding style, but what they called the hotels was different. You know, it was just different than what I was used right. to. Right. A lot of palaces, a lot of, yeah. a lot of names, um, historical figures and palaces. Um, they also, an option in Italy are the apartments. They're called pensiones. And so they're very, yes. very similar to what we would have in our um, home rentals here. Okay. Um, let's talk let's talk packing for mm-hmm. a European vacation what are some items that we may not be used to packing that we would need going to Europe especially for first-time travelers so a, a electrical converter is something that um, is important yeah. um, a lot of hotels do have USB ports now but okay. you cannot assume that um, and you really need to have a converter there's a couple of different kinds that you can get that will work in all of Europe. There are some that okay. are for the entire world. So um, depending on how much you want to pack, 
of course that affects the size, but sure. um, they also integrate USB ports into those now, which is quite nice. Okay. Um, yeah. And, and the new C version as well. So that helps a lot. Um, so definitely that, um, a battery pack, because you don't know where you're going to get your next charge for your device, <laughs> for sure. Right. Um, things that to consider um, for packing, and I, I use this because people are intimidated by the currency, the change in money, and mm. you do need to pack or have a, a little bit of money upon arrival. I usually recommend you know, a couple hundred dollars that you get exchanged at the bank before you leave for your trip. Um, sure. For tipping, for your first meal, just to have a little bit on hand. Also something yeah. that folks don't realize is that um, going to the restroom often will cost. So it could be up to oh, a yeah. euro and it's nice to have mm. a few coins on hand um, for access to a restroom. Um, an okay. alternative to not having to pay um, is to just go in a coffee shop and, and have a coffee. And if you have okay. your receipt, make sure you hold on to your receipt, then you can um, get into a restroom there. Is there a bouncer that checks the receipt there before is. you go in? There <laughs> actually <laughs> is. Um, <laughs> it's, a, it's a restroom <laughs> attendance. And, yes, okay. and they um, they both take payment tips and they check for your for your receipt. Mm. So, okay. Um, I was actually like talking velvet to rope. Yeah. Right. By and, the bathroom. <laughs> and, um, you know, back when I was there in the late eighties, um, you had to pay for toilet paper. Even there were, uh, there was a, you get a little stack, <laughs> you pay your quarter equivalent of a quarter. And, um, so it is, it is different. Although I did hear someone recently tell me that New York city, you have to pay for restrooms there too. So it's, um, Interesting. Some places okay. in the U.S. as well. So traveling with a passport is not something, unless you've traveled overseas a lot, that, that you're used to. How do you carry your passport? How, how do you deal with that? Um, like, where do I carry it? Yeah, like, because I had, I remember I had uh, this pouch that was supposed to go under your shirt. Oh, <laughs> right, some... I get <laughs> Yeah. So I don't carry my passport. Um after okay. I've left the airport, I put it in the safe. Um, I take okay. two copies of a photocopy of my passport. Mm -hmm. I have one that I keep um, in the phone, in the photo section of my phone. And then I also okay. keep a black and white copy in my checked luggage and then on my person. So nice. if I'm okay. going somewhere, um, I have a copy of that. Um, I do still carry my vaccine card. Um, I can just put, put it in there with it just in case. Um, but certainly not necessary. Gotcha. Okay. But, um, um, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that, um, we were talking about cafes and, um, going in for a coffee and something to talk about with dining is that everything's a bit later than we're accustomed to. So when you okay. get started for every meal, it's quite a bit later. And so you, won't see restaurants taking reservations until seven o'clock at night. Okay. Yeah. So, and, and they're not in any hurry. If, if <laughs> no. my memory serves, they, they are right. not uh, trying to turn over your table quickly. Like right. restaurants here in the U S a lot of times it's, it's two seatings a night. And because you're there for three and a half, four hours at a minimum, and they don't close the restaurant until probably midnight. Very typical. Okay. So uh, Interesting. those that are night owls, 
integrate pretty easily. Um, we haven't really talked about the time change, which is something that folks need to be aware of. Um, mm. It's usually six to seven hours ahead. And so right. um, that's something you can prepare for in the weeks leading up to your trip is maybe move up a couple of hours um, in your sleeping and waking. That's something you can help prepare for to better acclimate once you get there. And it's, it's easier for some folks going versus coming. I have more trouble coming home. Okay. Um, it takes me a good three days coming home, going over there. It may be the excitement, but yeah. um, I have less trouble, less trouble going over. Um, and one thing, a, a tip that I, I tell everyone, family, friends, clients, is the first day upon arrival is just walk until you drop. Mm. Stay up as long as you can to get as close to their time yeah. as possible. Okay. Now, that's a tip. Um, that's a good segue. What are some tips that you would recommend for creating those lasting memories when you're making your first time trip to Europe? Not just, it doesn't have to be a first time, but what's some tips? I think go with the flow. Yeah. I think that trying to find things that are familiar um, often get in the way of experiencing the culture Absolutely. and getting out of our comfort zone. Yeah is something that is so important in all of our daily lives, but especially when you're in a new place yeah. and walking that first day, getting to know your neighborhood, mm. um, just the area around. Um, I love to get up really early and go to the markets mm. and just see how the locals get their produce and for the day yeah. and the pace of the trip. I often recommend folks to arrive on a Sunday, okay. to leave on a Saturday from the U.S. means you arrive in the morning on a Sunday. Um, it gives you a better perspective of what folks are on a daily basis when you arrive on a Sunday when they're with their families, mm. and it's just it's just a great way to integrate into the culture. Um, a tip is to not bring your American Express card. Okay. Often surprises people, but it is an American card and it's not widely accepted over there. And it is in the um, name, you know, so. it is in the name, right? <laughs> um, but that's something that, that surprises people. I can't use my Amex. Um, so be prepared with some backups. There will be places that take it, but just not as many. Okay. Um, so that's something, um, you know, one of the, okay. what you mentioned about looking for the familiar, uh, our trip, we had a great trip, but, I definitely think we, at least I sabotaged it by being so wound up in trying to find the familiar that I didn't, I mean, it's, you know, you're in Rome, there's so much history around you, you can't, you can't not take that in, but I think we did try to find the familiar too, just to be comfortable, but that right. that kind of negates the whole reason that you're in a country like Rome. It's not supposed right. to be comfortable. I love that. And I, if you've been there a while and you, you need a creature comfort, I know that I spent two weeks in Venice in 2018. And by the second week, I wanted a ham sandwich. I <laughs> honestly went into an Irish pub and I got a ham sandwich because I needed something familiar. Sure. <laughs> so there are times that you might want to get something that is, um, that is a creature comfort. Yeah. So that's something that, but, um, 
as far as immersing yourself in the culture, I think some of the best ways to do that are to um, talk to your travel professional about things that you love to do. Um, they can make your experience still familiar, but integrated into something that is, say, last week I had someone who said, I really am into horses. Hmm. And so I found a horseback riding adventure through a winery. So they end up at a tasting in a winery and they get to ride horses through the countryside in Tuscany. And oh. it just, it's, <laughs> it just sounds very idyllic, but it's something that if you can dream it, we can try to make it happen. Right. Um, um, you can still enjoy the things that you're accustomed to and then find a, a nice, a nice way to incorporate that into your, your travel. Um, my niche is culinary and nature travel. So I do a lot of integrating the two, whether it's um, going to markets, going to a small farm, bringing back things to um, a co cooking class, right. and then being instructed on how to make a local dish. That would be fantastic. I I'm curious, do you think, I, I, in the U.S., we're very much about consuming things. Mm -hmm. Cultural, culturally, do you think Europeans take in culture d differently than we do? Does that make sense? I do. Um, I do often say that it's it's fun to to see the amount of clothing that is American over there, yeah. but I also know that they take such pride in their appearance, mm. and that's something that I touched on early on was that. Um, it's much more formal in the dress okay. over there. Um, and I think that the quality of the goods are just lasting. Mm -hmm. And so you'll have, you know, just beautiful handmade things that are not always handmade, but, but definitely locally made that are of fine wool or linen and um, just have a greater staying power. They're just much better, better made. Um, but consumerism in general, yeah, I do think that it's, it's not as, big of a um, culture of consumerism, they are so much about their country and their family mm -hmm. and more about experiences. Right. And again, noting to that, that pace of life is just, it's a lot slower and it is, it's, it's infectious. It's contagious. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really, it's really nice. Um, when folks say they want to cover more ground than I, I suggest, keep coming back to once you get there, you'll see that the pace will just transform you. Right. It's a little different than, than say a Disney trip. Yes. <laughs> when you're yes, indeed. dragging the yeah. kids from attraction right. to attraction, a little different right. pace. <laughs> well, and if you, if you are traveling with kids, there are a lot of fun things you can do. Um, there are treasure hunts within cities. So you can look at for particular art and sculptures and mm. different, squares um there are really neat experiences that you can do i mean the cooking classes are a great example market visits um it doesn't have to be the drudgery of museums right um a lot of water activities things that um you can do and still incorporate the history of, of the location too great well, for more information on visiting any of these great places that we've talked about today, you can contact Jen at Jen, J-E-N-N, -E -N, at ForkAndLeafTravel.com. Jen, thanks so much for coming on. This has been great. Thanks for having me. I appreciate your time. 
Well, that does it for this week's show. Join us next week. We're going to talk with Anita Frederick about the Run Disney events. And hey, please subscribe to the show so you don't miss an episode. Till next time. Thank you for listening to the Family Vacationer. Make sure and subscribe to hear more of Rob and Danny.